0: you're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. And there's a difference between that and the kind of pride that is simply a rejection of the social shame that others have tried to impose on you for being different. A pride that simply lifts oneself to a place of equality with others is not a sin. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 220 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast, where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor might offer us today in our work of uh, survival, resistance, liberation. Uh, restoration, and transformation. Our title this week is The Exalted Humbled and the Humbled Exalted. Our feature text is from Sangs Gospel Q1411. Everyone exalting oneself will be humbled, and the one humbling oneself will be uh, exalted. Our companion text, are Matthew twenty three twelve, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Luke 14, 11, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and for those who humble themselves, they will be exalted. Let's talk about purity circles first. This week, we once again uh, face one of Jesus's sayings that that I think we have to be careful with not to, to apply it to everyone. Jesus specifically pointed um, the saying that we're looking at at those who had lifted themselves up to be above. Their peers in Matthew's story of Jesus. This saying is it's in the context of Matthew's critique of the scribes and the Pharisees, and I, I want to give it a little bit of background this week that'll help us understand more about this saying in, in uh, the New Testament world. Insights from culture and anthropology. Uh, Bruce Molina, he tells us that the purity cultures of the ancient world, uh, like the Hebrew tradition, um, the Hebrew tradition was was a purity culture. It, it gave their members a sense of order from chaos, and and, and specifically the chaos of the material world around us. and He writes on page 125 specifically about the general cultural map of social time and space, about arrangements wishing the space thus defined, and especially about the boundaries separating the inside from the outside. The unclean or impure is something that does not fit the space in which it is found. That belongs elsewhere. That causes confusion in the arrangement of the generally accepted social map because it overruns boundaries. Notions of ritual cleanliness or uncleanness uh, were connected to a sense of belonging. In certain communities, well-defined boundaries marked insiders from outsiders. And again, this was one way that they brought Uh, order to a chaotic world or the chaos they saw around them. And and within such cultures, there was also a a spectrum of cleanness. The the, the greater your ability to remain clean, the purer you were. And, And the opposite was also true. And these notions of purity were not simply religious but they were also social, they were economic, and they were political. Think of a circle for a moment. If the circle represents the community, the purer you were, the closer you were to the center of the circle. And the more unclean you were, the more you were pushed to the edges or to the margins of the circle. And guess who made the decisions for the group as a whole? It wasn't those on the margins. It was those at the center. Those closer to the center had the greater political, the greater economic and the greater societal control, and they maintained the status quo, and it was a status quo that benefited and privileged those that were at the center over and above those that were on the edges. And William uh, Herzog, once he commented on the political struggle uh, for the center, the competition for the center in first century Jewish society. And and I believe this week it's worth taking a look at. His thoughts shed insight on why Matthew would have included um, uh, this week's saying in his gospel. And this is from uh, uh, Ched Myers, Binding the Strongman, a political reading of Mark's story of Jesus, page 76. But the quotation is William Herzog. According to Leviticus 1138, if water is poured upon seed, it becomes unclean. And, and to help you think about this more in, in, their day and age. Um, if you've ever had seeds ruined by by rainwater or water getting on the packages of seeds and how they molded in the envelope, um, that makes sense. And, and we'll continue. The, the, the passage, however, does not distinguish between seed, between seed planted in the soil and seed detached from the soil. In years of poor harvest, a frequent occurrence owing to poor soil, drought, warfare, locusts, plagues, and more... Uh, or poor methods of farming, this text was a source of dispute. Why? During such lean years, grain was imported from Egypt, but the Egyptians irrigated their fields, i.e. they put water on seed, so that their grain was suspect, perhaps even unclean. The Sadducees judged that such grain was unclean, and anyone consuming it also became unclean. They were quite willing to pay skyrocketing prices commanded by scarce domestic grain because they could afford it. One senses economic advantage being sanctioned since the Sadducees were often the large landowners whose crops increased in value during such times. By contrast, the Pharisees argued that the Pentateuchal ordinance applied only to seed detached from the soil, that is, before you plant it. Therefore, one could be observant and still purchase Egyptian grain. So the Pharisees we see in this, a little bit of this history, they were the religious teachers of the masses, while the Sadducees were the elites who desired above all else to maintain their control on society. And the Pharisees appear to, to want to make purity um, or cleanness more accessible to the masses, to bring more people into the center. Um, So in that context, they were actually considered to be liberals, while the the Sadducees were the more conservative. And, And yet they were not really concerned, I would argue, with empowering the masses What their real agenda was um, they wanted to – they were more concerned with placing power in their own hands and it was a power that the masses would then legitimize. They would be kind of the people's party And, and they didn't dismantle the system. They only sought to co-opt the system and then hold the social political power uh, and the populist base over the Sadducees, um, the elites in Jerusalem. So so a little bit of balance in that. Uh, The the Pharisees were trying to to gain greater control and use a populist message or a populist approach to to do so. On the contrary, Jesus wanted to proverbially burn the whole system down. He repeatedly transgressed purity boundaries. He wasn't about bringing people into the center and leaving that purity boundary in place, he ignored the entire thing. He, he brought in those who had been pushed down into the, at the margins of his culture, and he didn't do this because he was anti-Jewish or anti-Torah. I believe he did this because he saw pure, the purity model itself of societal order as deeply damaging to those of his Jewish siblings who were forced by those at the center to live on the, his society's fringes or edges. And in our saying this week we see a Jesus who who challenged and subverted Uh, the model of organizing society as a purity circle with insiders and outsiders. And Jesus challenged this way of of organizing society, not just with his words, but also with his table, who he ate with, um, uh, his body, um, who he touched, who he embraced, and especially in his uh, Jewish and synagogue practices in the Gospels. But we'll, we'll come back to all of this in just a moment. Um, that's the circle model. Let's look at another one with Luke and the tax collector versus the Pharisee. Um, Matthew describes a horizontal model, uh, like a a circle. Luke uses a vertical image, like a pyramid. And the circle has a center and margins, but a pyramid has a few at the top who wield control or power over the masses below them. And and the, the, the lower ones... Um, or, or or the lower one goes, rather, in a social pyramid, the greater the number of people you find, but, but also the less those people have any say about the world in which they live. It's the same principle as the circle. It's just vertical instead of... Uh, horizontal and 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 luke places our saying this week in the context of a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector and both of these groups were closer to the top of jesus's socioeconomic and political pyramid both were typically well-to-do financially and, and they were one of they they were two of the groups that would have been at the upper end of of the pyramid the societal pyramid but but where one of these groups responded positively to Jesus's teachings the other did not you have know, two upper-level groups responding to Jesus, and, and the contrast is—the is, uh, is the starkness of the contrast is what Luke is wanting to draw our attention to this week. And, and as we've already discussed, I'll put a link to a previous uh, uh, e-site where we talked about in Saints Gospel Q7, 23 through 30 Um We've already discussed this, but, but this is the, the saying where it says, For John came to you. The tax collectors responded positively, but the religious authorities rejected him. Luke adds to this saying, this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In Luke's telling of of the story, the Pharisee, Luke 16:14, he he adds, the Pharisee who loved money, heard all this and they were sneering at Jesus um, in his economic vision. And by contrast in Luke's gospel, the tax collectors, they're represented, in one of them is mentioned in Luke 19, as responding, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So one group was responding positively to Jesus' message of redistribution and reparation, uh, economic reparation and uh, the other was, was sneering at Jesus. And in Luke, the Pharisees continue uh, to compete with the temple elites and with the Sadducees for the exalted position of political control, con- political control uh, over the masses, while at the same time, the tax collectors in the story, they humbled themselves and they embraced a world where there's enough for everyone. And, and I'm sure there were exceptions to this, and stories are often told with generalizations But what remains uh, true for us today um, is that when we seek to exalt ourselves over others, it leads to disastrous results for for everyone. And I want to talk about this week how not to use our saying, how not to use this passage. There's a difference between someone at the center or at the top of the group having their self-exaltation challenged and those that are on the periphery or, or the bottom, working to lift themselves up to an equitable, shared position. And I, let me explain. I just finished reading Carol Anderson's book, White Rage. And it's actually, I was so moved by this book, it's actually going to be July's, I'll let you know early, um, July's book of the month for Renewed Heart Ministries annual reading course. But um, over and over, it recounted the history of how whiteness and structural racism have functioned in American society to to impede social progress, uh, uh, the social progress of upward uh, or toward the center for people of color. And and, and sayings like ours this week, they've been aimed at people of color to try and silence or or to shame their efforts at, at equality. And I cannot emphasize strongly enough that there's a difference between those who would exalt themselves over others and those that are simply seeking to lift themselves up to level ground. And and one group, remember, they seek to maintain an unjust status quo. The other simply is working towards equality. And, and our saying this week is not about those lifting themselves up towards, towards equality. It's about those who continually impede their work, who've exalted themselves over others, and who are called uh, instead to humility. They're, they're called to equity. They're called to solidarity with those lower or those that are on the periphery. And this month, I, I, I was also blessed to be able to participate with SDA Kinship International in DC's Capital Pride Parade. June is Pride Month for the LGBTQ community, and it's also a month when I see a lot of evangelical Christians critiquing the idea of pride itself. They'll say things like, like pride is a sin. And they quote our saying this week, everyone exalting oneself will be humbled and the one humbling oneself will be exalted. But social location matters. There's a vast difference between the kind of pride that exalts self over others as if you were the normal or the ideal and others were somehow less than. And and think of heterosexism for just a moment. And and there's a difference between that and the kind of pride that is simply a rejection of the social shame that others have tried to impose on you for being different. Pride that simply lifts oneself to a place of equality with others is not a sin. And, And our saying this week isn't critiquing that kind of pride. If a person is already being shamed and humiliated, they don't need to humble themselves further. They're already experiencing humiliation from those who endeavor to to marginalize them and their voices. And those who really need to humble themselves in that situation are those who think that that just because someone is different than they are, that they're somehow broken or they're somehow less than. And there was a time when those who were, remember, left-handed were considered less than two. And we don't know why some are born one way and others are born another. But these differences do exist. And Jesus subverted systems that push people to the margins or to the undersides of society. And that should challenge any Christian who believes cisgender, heterosexuals are the ideal and all other people should just stay on the margins of society. It's for them that the saying that we're looking at this week was given. Uh, they are the ones that our saying this week is speaking to. You need to humble yourself rather than lifting yourself up in relation to others. And 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 I've been reading, I, I've mentioned this on social media in a couple places, but I've been reading Ched Meyer's book, Binding the Strong Man: a, a political reading of Mark's story of Jesus, and I am enjoying it immensely. Um, it, it's been, for me, quite affirming and, and, and confirming for me personally. And and I I recommend the book highly. If you haven't read it, I don't know if we'll make it one of RHM's monthly books. It's over 400 pages, but in the introduction, Uh, which I quoted from earlier, Ched shows how social pyramids and social circles, how they functioned in Jesus' day and how they call those of us who want to follow Jesus to challenge similar models today. And these two statements resonated with me deeply. Uh, It says, White North American Christians, especially those of us from the privileged strata of society, must come to terms with the fact that our reading site for the Gospel of Mark is empire, locus imperium. The Irreducible meaning of empire is the geopolitical control of the peripheries by the center. The fact remains that those on the peripheries will have eyes to see many things that those of us at the center do not. And then he writes, The ancient Mediterranean world was dominated by the rule of imperial Rome. That was the center. However, whereas I read from the center, Mark wrote from the Palestinian periphery. His primary audience was those whose daily lives bore the exploitative weight of colonialism, whereas mine is those that are in a position to enjoy the privileges of the colonizer. In this sense, third world liberation theologies who today also write from the perspective of of collided periphery have the advantage of a certain affinity of sight in their reading of the gospels. What he's basically saying, for those of you who who can't catch that, is, is he's saying that those at the bottom of social pyramids, see things in the Jesus story that those who read it from the top of those pyramids don't see. And those that read it from the margins of, of a circular society model, they see things in the Jesus story that those in the center uh, can't see. And, and whether we use the vertical model of a pyramid or or, or, or where where there's a few at the top controlling everyone beneath them, or we use the horizontal model of a circle where, where those closer to the center have control of the body, uh, Are saying this week, it offers a critique. It offers a warning to all who push others uh, from a position of input and influence to the margins, to the edges, to the periphery, to the bottom. Remember, everyone exalting oneself will be humbled, and the one humbling oneself will be exalted. Heart group application this week, Jesus sought to to change the way communities were organized, um, where there were pyramids with people on the top, or, or closed circles with people outside, Jesus sought to form instead what's called a shared table. So this week, I want you to do something a little different. Each of you uh, take time to listen to a presentation I gave in the fall of 2015. It's a couple years old now, but I, I give it in Southern California, and it's entitled A Shared Table. And then after listening, I'll put a link to it in this week's eSite, but after listening, uh, discuss your responses together as a group. Uh, just just discuss it with yourselves. And, and then number two, brainstorm how your group can become more of a shared table experience rather than a pyramid or closed circle. And, and write these strategies out. And then pick something. Number three, pick something from what you've written and put it into practice this coming week. And something that may be helpful for you in your brainstorming is our newly updated Heart Groups page. We've tried to incorporate some of these ideas here. And remember, together, we can make choices that continue to transform our world into a safe, into a compassionate, into a just home for everyone. And the teachings of Jesus, they don't call us to escape from a hostile world. Uh, radical discipleship or radical Jesus following, it calls us to engage the world so that it becomes a less hostile place because we're here. And in the words of Sam Wells, the one thing everyone seems to agree on today is that there, are plenty, pl- there is plenty wrong with the world. There are only two responses to this. Either go and put it right yourself, or if you can't, make life pretty uncomfortable for those who can until they do. When we take stock of our relationships with the powerful, We ask ourselves, does the shape of my life reflect my longing to see God set people free? And do I challenge those who keep others in slavery? Remember, we're in this together and we, we are each other's fate. And also remember to check out our new 525 1 project. You can do that at our, our bit.ly forward slash RHM 525 1 link. I'll put a link to it in the east side as well. Uh, but there you can find out more about uh, why we're launching weekend events around the country, how you can help make these new events happen. And best of all, you can find out there how you can have us come and and teach in your area too. Thanks to each one of you who are listening. Thank you for checking in with us this week. Wherever this finds you, keep living in love, uh, survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, transformation on our way to thriving till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. (music)